Welcome to the Biz Bros Podcast. My name is Kyle Nelson. Got my co-host here, Mr. Eli Libby. What's going on, Eli? Um, doing great. Feels good to be back. It is. It's been a while. For... We were doing a million of them at mm-hmm. LA. Yeah, we're back. And, this uh, is going to be a good one, too. It is. It's going to be a really good one. Um, you know, we, we always talk about, I mean, I mean, it's like the four-hour work week. It is, yes. <laughs> The book. Talk we always talk about time. that. It was like one of the first books we yep. all read and stuff. But, uh, you know, the reality is, is... Wouldn't a four-day work week be really nice? Absolutely. Productivity may Absolutely. go up, um, and creativity may go up, and burnout may go down. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really lucky to have a we have a guest mm-hmm. today that's wrote a book on it. He doesn't only talk about it, but he's living it, and uh, it's going to be a really interesting conversation. I think there's going to be a lot of eyes that are opened up to what maybe a four-day work week could do for people. Maybe it's um higher productivity maybe there's more income with it maybe there's less work it's some more time for family mm-hmm. or things you just love to do and maybe maybe there's more passion out of your life i don't know let's find out so uh you know we're lucky today we got mr joe Sinuk, author of the new book thursday is the new friday how to work fewer hours make more money and spend time doing what you want in the book joe empowers readers with a practical evidence-based methodology to create their own work schedule and dedicate more of the precious personal time to pursuing their hobbies and spending time with their family and friends Sounds amazing to me. Yes. So uh, let's welcome Joe onto the podcast. How's What's it going, up guys? How you doing? Jeez, yeah, well done, Kyle. That's a great time. Thousands of people cheering yeah. us on. Look at that. Yeah. Man. <laughs> so loud out there. Oh, oh, welcome, man. man. So where in the world are you today, Joe? Yeah, I'm in northern Michigan. I live in Traverse City, Michigan, which is this small beach community. Uh, I get to go paddle boarding with my daughters all the time and wow. drive past the water. I love it. Oh, wow. Yeah, way you- up north. Have you been there? No, but my mother is from Alpena. We were talking about it before, mm-hmm. way up north Michigan. So we got a little bit of, I mean, I don't know how far of a drive it is, probably a few hours or something. Yeah, a couple hours that kind Ooh. of due east of here is where Alpena is. Yeah. A little, cool. uh, little rapport before the call. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you guys are in Oregon where my brother lives. So yep. uh, yeah, he's down the road from you. It's kind of meant to be. It's true. It is, yeah, yeah. Families. Yeah. A biz bromance. <laughs> <laughs> so before we dive in, Joe, uh, give our audience a little background on who you are and kind of where you are today and kind of maybe just start getting into the book and then we'll start in the topic. Yeah. Where did the four day yeah. work come yes. from? Yeah, you know, I took a very traditional route. Uh, I went to school for psychology, did a double master's degree in counseling and psychology, and jumped right into the nonprofit world. You know, I had tons of student loan debt and I was making 40 grand a year. Uh, Took that traditional route of then working at a community mental health and worked at a community college doing therapy for for students, Um, but started this side gig uh, that was a counseling practice. And I just started uh, doing it really to pay off student loan debt, working a handful of hours a week. Mm -hmm. Um, But I noticed that that started to take off. And eventually I had my first 1099 contractor and then my second, and I had this side gig that was making more money than my full-time job and started to just podcast about it with the Practice of the Practice podcast, about the business of a counseling practice. Uh, And that just started to grow. There was nothing else out there at the time about marketing a private practice. It's super niche, but it was what I knew. Uh, And so right away, I was the number one podcast because there weren't any about (laughs) marketing a practice. Uh, 
but then left that job in 2014 after my, uh, I left my full-time job um, to go do the private practice and to really go after the podcast and the consulting. Um, and that moment was really when I started to say, I get to create my own schedule. I get to define what this looks like. No longer do I have to do this 40-hour work week plus the side gig plus the podcast. Mm. Uh, I used to joke that I was a nappreneur because whenever my my wife at the time or my daughters were sleeping, I'd go and I'd do, I'd do the podcast. And, um, you know, just kind of hustling all the time. Yeah. Uh, and, and so kind of over time, I started to, to do some experiments, which we can get into how to experiment to see if taking less time <laughs> to work could actually help me. And when I did my first experiment, I, I decided, you know what, it's summertime. I don't have anyone telling me what to do. Why don't I just take Fridays off for the summer and just see how it works. And in the fall, I can always go back to it. Mm -hmm. And every month was better than the month before. Um, and I felt like I had really kind of connected with something that when I worked less, I did my best work and, and we can dive into kind of where you want to dissect that. Um, yeah. But it just continued to grow. And I kept doing more and more experiments uh, with myself and with my clients to see how actually working less got better results for me. Wow. That's awesome. That is very cool. I think yeah. a lot of people want to do that. I, we have a buddy that preaches it. Yeah. It's like, dude, four days a week. That's all I do. Mm -hmm. I don't do Fridays because it's more burnout mm -hmm. and less productivity. He's got their mountain bike. Yeah, every Friday just goes a mountain bike. Yeah. It's like, Must be nice. Yeah. Um, we'd love to talk more about that. Yeah. So you tested it. It started working. Mm -hmm. Then what? You just yeah. kind of stuck to it and you know, I really kept pushing the envelope in a lot of ways to see how little I could work and keep things going. Um, and actually, in September of 2020, I took my daughters on the road uh, to live out of national parks instead of having them do Zoom school. And mm. I got a big 37-foot camper and oh, traveled yeah. the nation until late April. Um, and really, I mean, there were times when I had zero cell phone signal. I had zero internet, even though I had five backup internets. You know, being a podcaster, when it was time to podcast, I had to be able to podcast. Yeah. So I really was forced to restructure. Um, so during mm. that time, I only worked five days in a month um, and had a whole team that I had hired that did the back end. Um, but I'd work like crazy on the first Tuesday and Wednesday of the month and the third Tuesday and Wednesday of the month. And the rest of the time, the team was managing everything else. Uh, so really refined it down until this book tour. Cool. You know, I'm back to four days a week right now. Uh, but it's like I got a book coming out. So I'm going to take nice. all the podcasts I can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about like the current, um, like day to day of what, what mm -hmm. you do. I mean, not the nitty gritty, but like now you have your book. What is it? So you're still into consulting, correct? Or yeah. Yeah. So, uh, my main thing that I do is through a website called practice of the practice, and that's really helping therapists, mental health clinicians, psychologists from the moment that they want to start a counseling practice all the way through when they're exiting it and starting some sort of e-product. So it could be a podcast or an e-course. Uh, so we have a membership community for every single stage. So when that, that per first person's, you know, say they're in grad school and they're like, I want a counseling practice. Uh, I don't want to just follow the traditional route, or maybe they're at a nonprofit and they say, you know, I want to do this side gig. Uh, we have next level practice, which is $99 a month. Uh, we have about 300 people that are in that program. Uh, so every single month they uh, are getting a live ask the expert where we bring in top level experts. So like we brought in Pat Flynn, John Lee Dumas, um, Dr. Oh, Julie Schwartz Gottman. Yeah. I just hung with him at podcast movement. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we bring, we, we bring in these top level people um, that, that they can just kind of schmooze with and ask questions and learn from um, for a hundred bucks a month. Um, we also have 30 e-courses awesome. on starting a practice. So all sorts of things. Uh, in, in addition, they have small groups and accountability partners. 
Um, then the next step up is people that want to add a clinician to their practice. So they're so busy, they want to add another person. Uh, and so we have something called group practice launch. And then after that, we have group practice boss. And so that's people that own group practices. So throughout, we have all these membership communities. We also have four other consultants that do individual consulting and run mastermind groups. We have a team of eight in South Africa that can do all of the back end social media, website development, podcast management. And then we have a team of five in Michigan that are sound engineers to help people out as well. So it's, it's a wow. pretty big team, but um, it's just kind of that whole user journey from starting a practice to exiting yep. one. That's so cool. Oh, that is so cool. And I feel like I mean, my brain's just going. That could be mm -hmm. applied to any industry. Really, yeah. yeah. It's just going to say the same thing. I mean, thing. it's like. You, yeah, you could literally Bingo. spin it up and it could be used for anything. That's that is awesome. so cool. Well, and I think the big thing that people miss, I mean, we hear people like Amy Porterfield, who I really respect what she does. But a lot of these folks will say, you need to have your one core product. And, and mm -hmm. I would actually say that can work in some industries. But for the most part, mm -hmm. I would say I always want to have a downsell and an upsell. There's going to be people that just don't have the money and want to totally. spend 100 bucks a month and be yep. in a membership community. Mm -hmm. Then there's going to be people that say, I just inherited 50 grand and I want you to help me start a podcast and I want your help all the time and I want to be able to help them for 50 grand. And, yeah. and so being able to always have that upsell yeah. and downsell to me is just so important to be able to serve an entire audience. That's great. 100%. Makes total sense. I think a lot of people should take that message. Yeah. Um, question that I have and I think a lot of our audience has before we dive into the topic. Were you influenced at all by, the, by Tim Ferriss' book, 4-Hour Workweek? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, recently, Pat Flynn called this the new four hour work week, which was like yeah. two of my icons coming together in one statement to have Pat Flynn say that. And then about um, Tim's book. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I love what he's been doing over the last few mm -hmm. years in regards to just kind of how he's shifted too. so, yeah, that whole idea of working less um, and making more has really influenced me. What I think is different about it is that the four hour work week really was for entrepreneurs. And I would say that that's not going to apply to the entire world. Whereas I, I genuinely think that the global shift we're going to see in our generation is that the four day work week becomes the norm. And when we look at especially the history yeah. around time and around how things have shifted, I think we really are in that moment of shift right now. I totally agree. I think that's a lot more doable and attainable. And I think you alluded to that than like a four hour work week. I think that's like at least the first step is a four day work week. Yeah. I So I, sorry. No, I, go, I just, for I, I, go for it. Go for it. It's still September. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, is it, let, okay, so the four-day work week, are you still squeezing those 40 hours and four days? Are you just grinding those four days? Or are you learning to be more productive every single second? You're having normal business days. Like how, how, how what is your, I mean, I guess I'm sure your book talks about that. Mm -hmm. but like, yeah. Well, I think to answer that question, we have to jump back a little bit. So yeah. let's, let's jump back 4,000 years or so to the Babylonians. So the Babylonians, they yeah. looked, looked up in the sky uh, and they saw seven major celestial things. They saw the earth, they saw the moon, the sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars, and Jupiter. So they said, we should have a seven day week. So they completely made up the seven-day week. The Romans had a 10-day week. The Egyptians had an eight-day week. It's completely arbitrary. You know, a year makes sense because we go around the sun. It takes a year. You know, a day makes sense because we spin for a day. Um, the seven-day week, we could just as easily had a five-day week that was 73 weeks in yeah. a year. And, and so if we just start with the seven-day weeks made up. Jump forward to 1926, Henry Ford starts the 40-hour work week at Ford in order to sell more cars to his people because the average amount that people were working in the late 1800s, early 1900s was 10 to 14 hours a day, six to seven days a week. And so he wow. said, people aren't going to buy a car to just drive mm -hmm. to work. If they have a weekend where they can go do fun things, they'll buy a car. 
So Love he it. started this thing to sell more cars. So these things that we think are just unmovable, unshakable things like the seven day week or the 40 hour work week are completely made up. All right. So the industrialists handed us this really great step for the evolution of business in 1926, less than 100 years ago. Now, fast forward to now, post pandemic, we all have shaken up that 40 hour work week and we say right. it doesn't have to be this way. The industrialist yeah. era is really over. And that was appropriate for 1926. But we don't think about people as being parts of a machine anymore. We know that there's more depth. We know there's more yeah. nuance. There's not really much that the industrialists handed us that's left over anymore. So to your question about how I, I view the four-day work week, yeah. there's a number of people doing this in different ways. So Kalamazoo Valley Community College is a perfect example of this because community colleges typically are very slow to innovate. Kalamazoo Valley Community College is in Southwest Michigan. There's this HVAC instructor named Ted Forrester who he noticed in the summertime that there weren't that many students there on Fridays. So every Friday for a whole summer, he went up and took a picture from the roof of, of KVCC. And then in the fall, he went to the board and he said, here's what it looks like on Fridays. If we had a four day work week, this is how much money we could just save in air conditioning costs, saving millions of dollars over four or five years. As well, what they did is they then donated four hours a week to the staff. HR then just wrote it off. So they moved to a 36-hour work week. They found that their staff were more productive. Students were happier because a lot of the offices were actually open later and that worked with their work schedules. And they saw retention and health go up. So even if you just think about how much it takes to retrain a staff. So say you've got your orientation instructor and then they quit. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh shoot, like it's going to take six months to bring somebody up to speed mm -hmm. where they were. Now you've got people that when they're leaving, they're, if they leave, they lose a four day work week in the summer. They're not going to leave. And so I think that as we look at what the four day wor work week looks like, we really want to say this is an experiment. And that's important that this is a conversation where we're seeing certain things emerge in certain industries. And it's not going to be a prescriptive model like the industrialists have given us. In fact, it's going to be more organic and evolutionary. Wow. Wow, that is amazing, and I think that answers the topic. Yeah, I never really mentioned the topic. Yeah. <laughs> the topic was, what's the history of seven-day work week, forty-hour yeah. work week, and how's it applied to our current conversations about how it should work? And that was the answer. I, I, that's right. There it is. <laughs> so, it, are you seeing? I mean, I imagine. I mean, you're like head down in this. Are you seeing a lot of companies starting to be more open to this, especially with post-pandemic? A lot of companies starting to think, "Wow, I'm, we're seeing a lot of people work harder." And yeah. Um, What's it looking like right now? Is there like a legit movement like of companies yeah. flip? It's it's insane to see all the behind the scenes. Um, so I just found out yesterday um, from my PR person that the Kickstarter is having me come into New York during my publish week in early October uh, right. because they're switching over to the four day work week. Um, Iceland just did a, a multi year study where twenty five hundred people worked four days a week and their productivity was the same. Their happiness was more. Um, they had more creativity. Um, we're seeing countries like Portugal, Spain, New Zealand yeah. testing this out. Um, Nissan Infinity Canada had me come in and do a talk about mental health and slowing down. And so I think that a lot of companies are starting to say, we want to dip our toes into this. Um, and to me, that's really important to say, we are not being prescriptive in it and saying, here's exactly what you have to do. Instead, here's a way that your company can take specific teams and try things out. Here's the modality of how you do an experiment and then how you look at the key performance indicators to see if a four-day work week is actually going to work for your company. Um, and we can walk through what that looks like if you want. But I think that it's, it's great because it's not saying 
here's my model. If you don't follow it, you're out like most productivity books. Instead, it's, this is more of a menu. Here's some options on how you as a very smart person can say, how does this apply to my life? How does this as a metaphor apply where I'm going to work less? Uh, And it's not going to be this prescriptive model. So for some people, it might be Fridays are the best day to take off. For other people, they take off Wednesdays and they like working two days, having a day off two days. It's going to be different in each industry. But the, the big overall thing that we're looking at is that our mental health, our health outcomes, our hustle culture is just not sustainable anymore. And it's based yeah. on an old model the industrialists gave us. Right. Wow. That is some history right there. That's insane. I love that. Um, do you think the shift for America is going to be a little bit different? I feel like, like you said, they're hardwired. You mentioned a couple of these other countries. I know Denmark has some pretty un- unique and flexible type of work work days, work hours. A lot of people take holiday or vacation a lot more than than America does. How do you think that's going to affect America and how, how do you think they're going to adopt this four-day work week? Whereas I think it's going to be a little bit easier for other countries, but I do I think, think... I think in America, it's like you seem lazy. Like it feels like it's a lazy... Like mm-hmm. It's just lazy. Like it's a big thing here. Yeah. People grind and hustle and work hard. And it's like, oh, you take Fridays <clears throat> off? Like, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that way, but I know that that's like... Totally. The, I'm sure. But I think like vacation too, right? Yeah. Like, we're used to like two weeks or whatever. Yeah, a year. But like you look at these other countries, it's so much more. Oh, yeah. Or like maternity leave and paternity leave in other countries. You're able to take a year off. Like spend time. (laughs) It's ridiculous. I mean, really, when you look at it, um, I do think we're going to be slower to adopt it. Uh, I think it's we have an overvalue of work and an undervalue of fun. Um, And even when we do fun, we try to find like, what's the business case for this? Or what's the productivity (laughs) case? I'll I'll slow down if it helps me make more money. but but I think that what we're seeing is that as I talk to the average person, the average employee, they say, yeah, I'm in 100%. Um, and that's the shift that I think is happening, where that industrialist model is shifting to more of an evolutionary model, where the old way was you get hired for a particular role. You want to make more money, become a supervisor. Very yeah. linear. But what if I suck at being a supervisor? What if that's not at all what I should be doing? Um, so this evolutionary model takes a very different approach. So even with my own team, I have this one team member, Sam, who I first hired to just do some quote cards for social media. So, you know, you see those quotes and it's branded. And mm-hmm. so I hired her to do like a hundred of those. Then she was really good at it. She, her turnaround was quick and I gave her more tasks and more tasks and eventually hired her full time to just do design work for the podcast and for the website. So every year I ask her three questions. I do this for all my team members. Um, the first question is, what are you doing right now that you absolutely love that you want to oh. keep doing? The second question is, what are you doing right now that you hate that you want to offload to somebody else? And third, how are you growing in a way that you need extra training or encouragement uh, Mm. to level up in a different way? So for Sam, one year she said, I absolutely hate the show notes. I'm a creative person listening through and transcribing. I just, it's the worst part of my week. So then I hired another person who was also named Sam. Neither one of them will go by Samantha. They both go by Sam. So we have two Sams. So, so then that got handed off to other Sam um, to do the show notes. And she is detail-oriented, type A, just on it. So she, for a long time, really liked that. And she recently has taken that off her plate. But the first Sam, Sam C, she said, I would love to do video editing. I would love to learn more about that. She lives in Cape Town, South Africa. And I said, you know, find a training program. Let me know how much it is. I put her through that. So she's then building a skill set that's going to be transferable into any other position in the future. And we're now able to then have all of that in-house that we can also outsource to our clients. And she's moving into a position where she knows 
I can evolve into this position however I want to evolve. And so like my contract with her every year is based on a 35-hour week with a certain number of weeks that she gets off per year. I don't care if one week she wants to work 45 hours and the next week she yep. works 30 hours. It's like, I don't need to micromanage your time. You know what your annual hours are for this position. And then we just go with it. So then she has full autonomy over her schedule, over if she outgrows portions of it, rather than leave and say, hey, I want to go become a video editor. She knows she can do that in-house and continue to grow within practice of the practice. Amazing. <clears throat> in, in that example, when you... Um getting to know her over the years, did you find out that she was uh, a very autonomous person or is that just part of your culture? I would say it's part of our culture. Um, we have a saying within practice of the practice, proceed until apprehended. Uh, so the idea is just like keep plowing forward and trying new things until I say, whoa, rein it in a little bit. Because in most companies, people have ideas, but they don't do it because they're scared they're going to get in trouble. They're scared they're going to step oh, outside mm -hmm. of the lines. They, they worry they're going to offend their supervisor. And I want creativity and curiosity to lead. Uh, I remember I went on vacation this one time and uh, when I left, uh, Sam was just kind of starting a lot of this video editing and she took a bunch of the audio from podcasts and created this amazing like three minute video for social media. And I came back and we had all these comments about how amazing it was and how beautiful it was. She didn't ask my permission. Yep. She didn't ask if she could do it. She knew she had the login so that she could post it on my behalf. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, now there's this amazing content out there that happened while I was on vacation. Um, yeah. And so I think that when we blockade what other people can do, we also blockade their curiosity and their creativity. Yep. Right. Wow. So I got a big question. Why does the four day work week work? And what, what is it that drives the productivity to four days? And like, like why, why, why the fifth day needs to, like, why is it that the fifth day is like, okay, productivity has gone or maybe it's not the actual fifth day, but why is it, why does the four day work week actually work? Why is there more productivity? Yeah, I think we already know that Fridays are not the same productivity as Mondays. It's, it's sort of like Friday's been having an affair with the weekend for a really long time. Like, let's just call it what it is. I mean, it, Friday's been cheating on the work week for a while. Um, but if we actually look at the neuroscience, uh, I think if we if we use a story as an example, we can then deconstruct what happens in the brain. So I was in Nepal in 2001. I was there with my friend Todd. We're in the Chitwan jungle. And we're going to go on this hike. And our guide says to us, if we get chased by a wild rhinoceros, climb a tree. Now, I should have asked a couple follow-up questions like, what kind of tree should I climb? Is there a technique? Could we practice it? Like, does this happen on every hike or is this just like once a year? Like, how often does this happen? So I didn't ask any follow-up questions. So we go into the Chitwan jungle. We're hiking for about an hour and we come across the rhinoceros. And it's 2001. I don't yet have a digital camera. So I have one of those point and clicks. I take a picture. I don't know if it turned out. So I take a step forward. So I take another picture. At this point, it would have been wise for me to just say, I got two pictures of a rhinoceros, but I did not. I took another step forward. At this point, the rhinoceros charges our group and I just take off running. Now in high school, I had been a sprinter and my friend Todd, who was with me, had been long distance. So I knew for about 200 yards, I, I've got this. And there's a couple other people that were Peace Corps volunteers behind Todd. So I'm like, I have three shields behind me. Mm -hmm. So then I don't hear the rhino behind us anymore. I turn around, we walk back. Our, our guide is up in a tree and shimmies down. Um, and he yells at us, why didn't you climb up the trees? It's like, well, why didn't I climb up a tree when a rhino is chasing me? Well, because we don't try new things. 
when we're under pressure, when we're in that fear center of our brain. We go with what we know, even if it's not what's best for us. So that happens every time that we are stressed out and maxed out. We're not going to try something that's new. Mm. We're going we're gonna to just go with what we know. And so if we're trying to be more productive and we're stressed out and we have 50 things to do in a week and we're doing so many of them that are inappropriate and that we shouldn't be doing and that's beyond what our pay grade is, we're going to be like I was being chased by a rhinoceros. We're not going to try new things. Mm. Now, let, let's look at uh, the idea of work expanding to the time given. Parkinson's law. Um, so Parkinson's law says that our work will expand to the time we give it. Now, say you have 20 tasks in a week and then all of a sudden you cut out Fridays and you try to get those 20 tasks done. One of two things is going to happen. You're going to get those 20 things done and maybe you'll do some of them. You'll shortcut them. Other ones you might you know, find little loopholes to get them done quicker or you're going to drop the ball on some, some of them. Which ones are you going to drop the ball on? It's not going to be the high level things. It's not going to be billing clients the $10,000 they owe you. It's not going to be the marketing plan. It's going to be that you've been taking the trash out and vacuuming your office, even though you're the CEO or you're the owner of the business. So these things that you drop then will reveal to you the things that you really should be outsourcing, that you should be cutting out of your schedule that are not the best use of your time. It's cool. That makes sense. I think it makes total sense. I think when... <clears throat> you're in a bind or maybe you've got, um, you know, you have plans that like, I don't know, some, some point of the day. So you've got two hours and you've got all these tasks that need to be done before then focus goes to a whole nother level, like psychologically you're dialed, you're dialed in for those two hours. Cause you've got to get them done. Um, I, I think I, I love, I love everything that you're saying. Um, and I, and I definitely see that and I definitely see it working for other people like our, like our buddy. Um, he's dialed in for those four hours. What about, I'm not trying to say this, but like consequences, is there like for, for things not getting done? Um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. So I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to go down that. No, I that see what way. you're saying. It's like, like, what are the consequences? Like, is it, is it more of just like something within the individual that they need to understand that they need to get this stuff done in that four day work week? Otherwise, I don't know. I don't know. Where I'm going with that. Do you kind of go? I'm going no, I, I think that it, yeah. tell me if this is what you're, you're kind of asking it, there's going to be fires that happen if you just rein in your schedule. Like, what do you do with those fires? Is that kind of the idea of what yeah, you're thinking? Exactly. Yeah. So I think anytime there's a fire within practice of the practice, mm -hmm. we put the fire out. Uh, if things explode on a Friday and it's really important and my director of details sees my email, something just exploded. Um, I'm not going to be like, I take Fridays off. Sorry. <laughs> let the explosion happen. Ruin my business. Yeah. No, I'm going to, I'm going to go work on it. Uh, but are there going to be hard boundaries? Like if I have a consulting client that says, I will only meet with you on a Friday, like I'm not going to take you as a consulting client. I wrote a book about not working on Friday. I can't take a consulting client on Friday. Yeah. But if something explodes in my business, we're going to put out the fire. But then we're also going to have a conversation about why that fire occurred. Where was the misinformation? Um, who should have been doing what? Did I miscommunicate as the owner? Uh, what feedback do I need to give to the team? What can I do to at least statistically reduce the likelihood of that fire happening again. There will be fires, but I think that we also need to then say, why was there a fire? Where was the miscommunication? Where's the automation here? Why did all of this happen? Um, to just go through it and say, okay, let's try to change this for the future. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So do you see that when you see these companies or people that you know move to four day work week, do you see more productivity within that eight hours or longer work days. Mm. 
I think it depends on on the company. Some companies are led by people that are still very kind of industrialist focused where they say, sure, we can go to four days, but you got to work 10 hours. Um, yeah. Lunch doesn't count. So you got to work 11 hours. And yeah. it, and that's where I think in our generation, we're going to see people really have to say, can I work for that type of industrialist? Um, and when you have that label to say, this person is coming from this lens that is from 1926. It was yeah. good for 1926, but this is not good for where we are right now. So there will be times that there's just people that aren't a fit anymore. So I think that we have to be able to say, I don't want to work at a place that treats me this way. But I think what's more likely to happen is that we educate the bosses, we educate the supervisors. Uh, and what we're seeing happen is people that have read the book um, will then bring it to a team of say five to eight. So a smaller team. So it's not an entire department. It's, you know, your core team and say, what if we read this book together? Then what if we talked to our supervisor about doing an experiment for two or three months? We'll do one quarter of this and say, let's really outline this. First, we want to do four days a week. Uh, here's the key performance indicators on what we think the five or eight of us really do. So if, you know, it could be client management, it could be customer acquisition, whatever your key performance indicators of what success is in your department. Outlining that for the supervisor, saying to them, hey, you're going to look really innovative if you're able to show that we have health breakthroughs and we have productivity breakthroughs and happiness breakthroughs because of an experiment that you helped to oversee. And then as a team, what you really want to do, and this is where most people miss it, is you want to hold each other accountable to some certain norms within that team. So for example, if you're taking Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off, we're not emailing or texting each other during this time. We're not working at nine o'clock at night after the kids are in bed and emailing people. We're keeping the culture where our brains genuinely can slow down uh, because that's where we see the creativity come when you genuinely actually slow down. Uh, and so then you create this culture for this period of time. And then I would recommend giving that supervisor more frequent updates than what they expect. So if they expect an update once a month for a three month period of time, give a weekly update and say, okay, this week, our client engagement was down 3%. Here's what we're doing in this next week to, to build that back up. So they're getting lots of data. So for the left brain people, they're able to have all that data. And for the right brain people saying, you know, just from a kind of analytical standpoint, we're saying we're seeming happier. Now, do you think that if a team was given the autonomy to for three months, have a four day work week that they wouldn't bust their butts to try to get things done in four days if they knew yeah. that this could be their lifestyle. Like exactly. they're going to kill it. Um, and, and so that's where we see that instead of just standing around the water cooler and, and chit chatting about the weekend, because you feel burned out on a Friday, people say, listen, if we just kill it for four days, we can go do whatever we want on Friday. hundred hmm. percent. It's interesting. I, I would love to pick up this book. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Can't wait for it to come out. <laughs> yeah, a couple copies. We'll read it. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I think uh, I can. I can see how it works. I think mm -hmm. one last thing. I kind of question I have is, do you think it's going to be becoming the norm here in the next three to five years, where employees you're trying to uh, employ somebody and they're like four day work week, man? Like, where's it at? Do you think that's like truly where we're heading? I do. I, I think in our generation, in the same way the shift in 1926 was towards the 40-hour work week, I think we're going to see this level of flexibility in work, especially, I mean, the pandemic honestly couldn't have come at a better time uh, for this book. Uh, I yesterday was doing an interview and they're like, did COVID sponsor your book? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> this book brought to you by COVID. Um, but, but that was a global disruption to make us all say, why were we working this hard and in this way and commuting and 
doing all these things when there's such more efficient ways that we could do it. Yep. Uh, there was a really interesting study at the University of Illinois uh, where they looked at if you just take a one minute break every 20 minutes during a very boring task, that vigilance decrement totally disappears. So vigilance, how well you pay attention, decrement meaning going down over time. So wow. your vigilance decrement just disappears by taking a one minute break every 20 minutes. And so we see these ner this neuroscience starting to come out to say, we haven't been doing it right. And there's really, really easy hacks that we could do to get more done when we are working. But more importantly, if we slow down on the front end, then we actually do better work on the other side. Just crazy. It just reminded me this morning, I read an article that talked that I think it was in Forbes or Business Insider. And it was, they had found like these 20 people that had two full-time jobs and they were making like an extra three to $400,000 each a year during COVID because they, they, they knew their productivity in the office was nothing compared to at home. They could do four hours worth of work. That's typically an eight hour day at work. And they had a whole nother part-time or full-time job. They were killing it in both. They're making a ton of money. Hmm. Obviously their employers didn't know this, but yeah. it was a super interesting article on about hmm. productivity and truly how long hmm. things take and how much time we're really wasting every single day. And these people were just stacking cash over the past year and a half. It was really interesting. It kind of reminds me of this. It's like it. Yeah. If you, if you really start doing time tracking, you'd really see how much like unproductive yeah. time is actually happening. Well, it's really interesting when you see when people genuinely slow down how much they actually can get done. Uh, each mm -hmm. summer outside of 2020, I host an event called Slowdown School. And so all these entrepreneurs fly into northern Michigan. They get in a big yellow school bus. We go out to the water. And for two days, we just slow down. So we go for hikes. I bring in an, an executive chef that has partnerships with local farmers. We play spike ball on the beach. I bring in a massage therapist, yoga. It's it's amazing. Uh, and then on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday morning, mornings, we work on the business. And I remember this one guy, Michael Glavin, who is a couples therapist out of Chicago. And he had been in a mastermind group with me and over and over, he'd come to his hot seat and he wouldn't have got done what he was supposed to get done around writing a book about his couples therapy approach. And then the very first sprint that we did, I had outlined, here's how you're going to do it. Here's how you're going to focus. We're going to do 20 minutes. And then you, you have a hard stop when I tell you that we're done he outlined nine chapters of a book and every single bullet point for it, like five to seven bullet points under wow. every chapter. But huh. it's because his brain had a chance to rest and Children. then he <laughs> dove into that flow state and was just ready to kill it. And that's the, the side where we see these productivity books that don't talk mm -hmm. at all about relaxing or slowing down, or we see these woo woo vision board manifest it, but don't do yep. anything books that you know you calm down but you don't know what to do but right. the neuroscience is actually bringing together that the slowdown actually leads to the killing it makes total sense that is insane that is really, that is cool. really cool you do that weekend or week yeah. or whatever and man I, I could see that just take off and, and mm -hmm. oh, that is so cool that is really in cool. different cities around the u.s because mm -hmm. it, yeah. it really needs it oh, i love it well awesome joe you know there's one thing we always ask our uh we always ask our guests at the end is if there is a two to three liner that you hope at the end of the day, this is what's getting taken away from, you know, from Joe being on the biz bros podcast. What is that? I would say that our hustle is too much, especially in our American society. And that actually slowing down will lead to a better quality of life, but also more creativity and quality within our businesses. 
Golden. Love it. Love it. So if people want to learn about your new book when it's when it's hitting and, and how to pick it up when it's ready, is it is it out yet? It's not out yet. Is it out yet? Yeah, so people can pre-order it right now. October 5th is the release date for it. And so um, we're doing some bulk book buys as well where people get bonuses so they can read about all those over at thursdaysthenewfriday.com. Uh, or they can just go to Amazon or their local bookstore wherever they order books and just ask for Thursday is the new Friday. Nice, Joe. Awesome. And if they want to reach out to you personally? Yeah, just over at joesanok.com. They can reach out there. We're also going to be posting a number of the experiments that people are doing, um, how they're kind of making Thursday the new Friday so that this really becomes a community discussion and not just the Joe Sanok show. But we learn from each other and say, Mm. we can reshape society together and make Thursday the new Friday. Wow. Awesome, Joe. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, man. And I I hope that we can have definitely a follow-up podcast with this just once, you know, maybe six months from now just to see where everything is. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, let's do it. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the Biz Bros Podcast anywhere. Just type in Biz Bros. We'll pop up. Follow us on all those other social media handles. And we look really forward to talking, seeing you, and hearing you on the next Biz Bros Podcast.